Well, good morning, and I sure hope you're as excited as I am about the season we're in. And uh, clearly, I'm not talking about the fall, because it's like the middle of August out there. I don't know what happened. My goodness. No, I'm talking about this season where we are looking kind of at a new, fresh mission, uh, mission and vision for our church family. You know, I almost hesitate using the word new. New kind of implies we're, we're going somewhere we've never been or doing something we've never done. And really what I've been trying to show you the last week or two is a vision, a mission that very much rises up out of the story of this church. Where, where we've been, who we are, what we've been doing, and kind of taking that and shaping it so that very intentionally we're hitting a target. And so uh, two weeks ago, I, I presented a vision to the church family family that said in the next 10 years, the Heights Baptist will be a church that the 804, the 804 is the neighborhood, it's a big space, isn't it? That's the neighborhood we believe God is giving us responsibility for, that, that in the next 10 years, that neighborhood cannot imagine being without us. And that's kind of the focus of our target, that, that, that's taking into light uh, you know, a world we live in, a culture we live in, where, where the culture and the church are getting further and further apart, right? And, and it's in that that we're seeking, hey, how do we become, where they're kind of going in opposite direction, how do we become something they can't imagine being without? We're going to do that by extending uh, or expanding to five campuses. Uh, we have three or two, so that would be three more. By extending the reach of Love 804, we already have that ministry in place. Gosh, over the last several years, we've worked with the city government of Richmond. We've worked with the city government of Petersburg. We have been in, I think, over 30 schools cleaning up, fixing, mentoring, tutoring, feeding the poor uh, in our area, doing all of these variety of things. Now we just need to take it and extend it so that it's touching every part of the 804. Those wouldn't be the only two things that we're doing, but they're kind of the big anchors uh, on each end of what we're going to do. And the reason for it is so that we have our greatest opportunity in front of us, not behind us, not, not in a culture that wanted to know what we thought, but even in a culture that doesn't so much want to know, hey, we have our greatest opportunity in front of us for sharing God's Word. And I've defined sharing God's Word as everything from a, what a preacher or a teacher does standing up here to what we do in sharing and teaching with each other in living in living God's Word, not just with words, but with our life, living God's Word in that culture. So that's our vision, that's our target that we're going after. And our mission, our mission is the course we take. The, the course doesn't change. Visions can change. The target can change once we hit it, once we get to a new place. But the, the mission, the course we take from target to target stays the same. And our mission is building relationships that connect all people. We've talked a lot about that word all. That connect all people to a God-sized life and love. So there, there's a vision, there's a mission, and, and we've spent a lot of time on that vision, that what happens 10 years from now. But, but last week when I ended, I kind of introduced a one-year vision, a one-year target, because let's be honest, saying something is going to happen in 10 years doesn't necessarily say, well, let's get started today. 
You know, think, oh, 10 years, that's good. I probably should be dead by the time that happens, you know. Or who knows if I'll even be here when that happens. And, and so, no, we're not waiting around hoping that when 10 years from now this has happened, we've identified steps we're going to take each step of the way uh, for, so we have a goal for this year. And our goal this year is that by the end of this year, uh, everyone, and boy, that's the God-sized part of the goal, that everyone will be evaluating themselves by our God-sized measures. Now, this would always be our goal. When, when I pop up next year and say, okay, our goal for the next year is this, we'll have identified something. Okay, now that we're a year into this, here's the next step we need to take so that we're moving toward that 10-year mark. This will still be the goal. I mean, what, what this is talking about, folks, and yes, we are going to be talking about, you're thinking measures, what measures? I'll use the word measures, I'll use the word priorities, they're going to be presented as questions, but what these are, are ways that you and I look into our lives and kind of evaluate and then respond appropriately, but how we evaluate our own walk with Christ and how we're engaging, how we're integrating that walk with Christ with the body of Christ, because we don't do it alone. We, we, we do this together. So this is, gonna, this is always the goal of our church. Now, I said last week that the, the part of this that's kind of hard to imagine is that word everyone. Every single one of us doing that. And, and I'm not saying that's hard to imagine because I think lowly of you or of myself. I'm not saying that because I've got a couple of people in mind that I, those people will never get it. No, there's nothing like that. That's just a statement of where do you look in human history? Where do you look in society where 100% of something is on board? Whether it's a business or a team or... Guys, sometimes getting a family of five all going the same direction, right? Can be a little bit challenging. So when you start talking about 2,500, 3,000 people working with the same sense of priority, the same sense of commitment, all together asking those same questions, that's kind of hard to imagine. You know, I mean, we might say, hey, wouldn't a better goal be that, you know, hey, 50%? I mean, that'd be a lot, wouldn't it? I mean, we'd still be talking 1,500 some people. Uh, why not 50% or, or, okay, let's really believe big, two-thirds, two-thirds. Well, the reason we can't put another percentage or number there is because God doesn't put another number or percentage there. Folks, God doesn't rescue you, me, rescue you and me from sin and death and hell so, so that 45% of us will live like it. He doesn't call us into the body of Christ so that 62% will really actually do that. No, God's working that 100% of us get there. So that's going to be our goal. That's, that's what we're going to be working toward in a variety of ways uh, over this coming year. And while it's hard to imagine, man, it's pretty exciting. It's kind of exciting to think, what, what would we look like? What would we be doing if 2,500, 3,000 of us all with the same commitment, the same passion are asking ourselves these seven questions. How am I growing? How am I worshiping? Where am I investing? Where am I connecting? Where am I serving? Who am I reaching? Who am I coaching? And I think what you're going to find over the next couple of weeks and, and as this year unfolds, those seven questions, those seven measurements are pretty much going to entail the entire life of a disciple. 
the, the entire life of being a follower of Jesus Christ. So that, that's what we're trying to get everybody to measure. And then in the measurement, we're all going to have different responses at different times to what we need to do in our lives. So we're getting started today with this, with this goal, this one-year goal uh, of bringing everybody along with these seven questions. So today, we're going to talk about the first one, how am I growing? And, and then the next three weeks, we're going to take on two measurements a week. So that's where we're going uh, with these seven questions. Now that first one, how am I growing? You know, my, my guess is most of us in here... Uh, at some point in our Christian life, we ask that question. I, I, that, that's probably not something we've never done. No, somewhere along the way we say, am I getting any better at this? Am I, fi- am I figuring this out? Am I connect- uh, connecting the dots? There'll, there'll be some places, and maybe it's a sermon that makes us think about it, but there'll, there'll be some places and times that we'll kind of stop and think about, how, how am I growing? What's happening in my, my Christian life? What we're talking about is that that would not be something that happens every so often, but that really every day, every week of your life is shaped by that question. You're you're shaping every week by how you want to grow, where you want to grow, what needs to happen next. I want to show you a handful of verses, and I want you just real quickly in these verses just to see this theme of growth. And, and how often this is popping up and, and what it means. So we look up here at Ephesians 4.15. It says we are to grow up. Gosh, could we just stop right there and go home? Hey, grow up. You got it? Okay, there's the sermon. Let's go home. No, no, just kidding. Don't, don't leave. Uh, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head, who is Christ. In every way. I am to be growing up into Christ's likeness in the way I handle failure, in the way I handle frustration, in the way I handle disappointment. I am to grow up in my knowledge of my Savior. I'm to grow up in how I apply that knowledge. I am, I am to look more and more like Christ in how I handle a victory, in how I take on an opportunity. I am to look more and more like Christ. I'm growing into a Christ-likeness in, in my relationship. I mean, that every way is pretty expansive, isn't it? I mean, really, every single piece, every single area of our life, we're measuring, do I look more like Christ here today than I did in 2016? Man, that's, that's what we're to do. Look at this one. This one scares me. So that all may see your progress. Progress is, is growth, right? So that all may see it? Oh, uh, I, you know, my faith is kind of private. My, my, my faith is kind of personal. And I, uh, that's just between me and the Lord. Uh, no. No, it's, it's not between you and the Lord. There's nothing about your faith that is to be private and personal. As a matter of fact, all. All should see not only the impact that faith, your faith has made on your life once, but they should be able to constantly see how you're growing, how you're progressing in that. My mates should see that. My parents should see that. My kids. Gosh, we had all these families up here today dedicating a child. What greater goal could there be for a mom and dad? Then for these little ones to grow up for, you know, at least 18 years right there in the house, constantly observing, man, mom and dad, really, you know, I, I, I can hear how they prayed for this over here, but how they're growing in that prayer. Man, I, I see mom and dad growing in their passion for God's word and, 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 and wanting to be in it more and more. I see their, I see their growth in, in how they handle their relationship. 
I mean, isn't that what we want our kids to see? Don't we want them to? I mean, all, I mean, all would certainly include my kids. All the people I go to church with. Hey, man, you know, I know we used to meet together. We used to pray about that temptation you were struggling with. Man, I can really tell you've started to conquer that. I, I can really tell you're, you're moving on. Pat, we should see growth. Ah, that's scary. Let's go home and ask our, our mates. Hey, do you see me growing in the Lord? I'm not going to ask, but I think y'all should. Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. First Peter 2, 2. Like newborn infants, I love this one, long for the pure spiritual milk. I mean, if you've had a baby or been around a, a newborn baby, there, there is nothing like seeing that two or three month year old decide that it's time for milk. You know, when they decide that, they have kind of this way that their priority becomes the priority of everybody in the home. And absolutely nothing is going to distract. You know, when that baby wants milk, there's no, hey, I like this little toy. No, no, when they decide it's time for milk, it's time for milk. And nothing is going to change the course right then for the whole family. Hey, you know what? That's God said. Okay, you see that? You see that baby? You see how they're acting? That actually should be what your passion looks like for the Word of God. Man, you want that word and nothing's going to distract. Nothing's going to sidetrack you from getting into this word. Why do I want to get in it? Why do I want that? So I can grow up. So I can grow up into the salvation. That doesn't mean you grow to the place you have salvation. You're not growing and then at a certain height you're now saved. No, you're, you're, you're saved, you're now growing into it. You know, kind of with this baby theme, I would imagine a number of us in here at some time in our lives have, have been to a baby shower. You know, the baby's still in the oven, right? Still cooking. And yet you give a gift and it says 9 to 12 months old on it. Why do you do that? Why do you give an article of clothing that baby can't wear for a year? Because we give clothing they're going to grow into. Right? Now, the thing about the baby owns the clothing. That, that clothing belongs to the baby. It's theirs. They just now got to start growing so one day they fit into it. That's our salvation. I, I own that salvation. God purchased it for me. It's mine. Now I want to grow into it. So that it's not just that my title is child of God, but I'm actually living like one. Right? So we grow into that salvation, 2 Peter 3. But grow. I mean, that's just a straight-up command. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Grow in the grace. Grow in the, the practice of being like Jesus. Grow in the knowledge of Jesus, because it's the knowledge of Jesus that will give me direction on what it means to practice living like Jesus. Is that enough verses to kind of get a feel that, hey, this growing thing seems to be a thing? That this growing thing seems to be something that, that the Scripture is constantly trying to keep in front of us. So after using a few verses real quickly that way, what I want to do now is land on one passage and spend some time there looking at how significant, how important, and what it means that, that we're growing. Now, I, I just feel like I need to warn you here. The passage we're about to mean, read is kind of mean. I, I don't say that a lot about the Scripture. Does that sound blasphemous? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what, you're, we're going to read this passage and you go, well, golly, that's not very nice. I, I think the Bible just called me stupid. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's what it's saying, but, but listen, okay, there is a big time challenge here. And hopefully by the time we get to the end of the passage, we're going to understand why that challenge is there. So if you have a Bible with you, 
I hope you do. Look, open to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Quickest way to get there, go to the end of your Bible, Revelation, and just start backing up. You'll go through some real short letters, Jude, uh, Peter, John, James being there, and then you'll, you'll, you'll bump into Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. I think you're going to get right out of the gate here what I'm talking about. Hebrews 5, verse 11 says this. There's much more we'd like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. I think that's a fancy biblical way of saying, I'd like to explain this to y'all, but y'all just too stupid. And you don't listen anyway. I mean, wow, okay, that, that should have your attention. You have been believers so long now. Now let's stop right there. You know what? I don't know that this passage is addressing you if, if you became a follower, a believer in Christ in the last year. You know, if that happened for you last week, if that happened six months ago, I, I, I don't know that this passage is speaking directly to you. Now, as a new believer, you'd want to pick up what the, 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 the point of this passage is because you realize, hey, this is, this is where I'm going. I don't want to be in a position three years from now where this challenge is being aimed at, at me. I, I, I want to start growing so that that doesn't happen. You, verse 12, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies. Now, here, that's not such a good illustration, isn't it? We, 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 we just used an illustration. We just used a passage and said, hey, be like that baby who? And there was this very specific illustration, and we get that. But, but, but you know what? If you're, if you're still in the same place as a three-month-old when you've been following Christ for 13 years, well, that's not okay, is it? That, that's not what, what we want to be. And that's what he says here. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Chapter 6, verse 1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ or the elementary teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead. Let us press on and become mature in our understanding. Surely we do not need to start again with the fundamental importance of, and he's going to list six things here, of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Okay, so obviously here, the, the writer of Hebrews is very strongly challenging. And when I say the writer of Hebrews, I mean, ultimately, we're talking about who? God. This is God's word. He's commanding you and I to grow, to, to take on those elementary principles, but then press on. Keep, keep growing and learning. Take those first things you've learned and continue to develop them in, into new and greater ideas. And so you, you, a couple of observations here. First, there appears to be an elementary body of information. Now, that, that, the word elementary, I mean, what, what does that mean? First things? And when you think of elementary, it's the, the first things you learn in school. It's, it's, uh, sometimes that word elementary is used to mean simple, right? It, it's the simple things. It's the first things. It's the beginning things. One plus one equals two. We would call that pretty elementary, wouldn't we? The, the ABCs are, are elementary. A little nursery rhyme, A, B, C, D, E. That's a pretty elementary. Now, elementary does not mean insignificant. 
elementary doesn't mean that this is kind of silly and stupid, so let's just move on past it. No, elementary is very important. Elementary, think of it as building blocks. One plus one equals two is the first step to grasping not only addition, but subtraction and division and multiplication and perhaps one day algebra and then engineering. I mean, folks, believe it or not, building a bridge and a building and putting somebody on the moon started with grasping that one plus one equals two. And that's super important. But we don't want to stay at one plus one equals two. We want to get to that engineering that puts somebody on the moon. You know, the ABCs, pretty elementary. First building block to what? To reading, to writing, to comprehending. I mean, stop and think about it. The ABCs, that little nursery rhyme there, is the beginning of all communication. You know, so it's a, a very important building block. But as important as it is, we don't want to stay there. We don't want to stay at 1 plus 1 equals 2 and the, the ABCs. We want to press on. We want to mature past that to all that building block gives us. Well, that's, that's what's being said here. It's saying, hey, listen, there's some very important things. But now that you've got them, now that you have the ability to teach others, hey, let's press on to the other things now we can begin to develop. Now, what are these, what are these things he's talking about? There's six things mentioned there. And you really could put them in three groups of two. Three groups of two. So the first group of two is uh, uh, repenting of evil deeds or, or of dead works and faith in God. Now what are those two things about? Those are kind of salvation things, aren't they? Those are things about how we come to a relationship with Christ, how we begin a relationship with Christ. Then the next two things are washings or baptisms and the laying on of hands. What is that? Isn't that kind of church stuff? Or, or the role of the church in a believer's life? I mean, as a person comes to faith in Christ, their, their next step is baptism. So that's kind of the front door into the church, the, the front door into this new relationship with co- what's called a body of, of Christ. And, and man, if you kind of travel down the spectrum, pretty soon we're laying hands. When, when we see somebody's hands being laid in the New Testament, often they're being like ordained as a deacon or a pastor, or, or maybe they're being sent. Hey, we're laying hands on them and they're being sent out into the community, out into the world with a a specific ministry, a project, a a work that is going to take place. So we're kind of talking about the role of the church in, in in a believer's life. And then you got your last set of two. Talks about resurrection from the dead and judgment. That's kind of stuff like the end times, right? Kind of things related to the to the end times. And so you you take these things. And that, this is, remember, this is what's being called simple. Now, let's think of the kinds of questions that come out of these statements that I just identified here. Here would be the kind of questions. Uh, how is a person saved? Is there really only one way we can be saved? Um, how does a loving God allow somebody or send somebody to hell? Um, Is when we're baptized important? Is how we're baptized important? Do I need the church for that? I mean, remember, faith is just kind of this private personal thing, right? No. You know, what's the role of the church? Do I need the church to know God? Do I need the church to to faithfully, effectively walk with God? Hey, hey, do do people become angels when they die? Because according to Facebook, they do. Because almost every single day that I open Facebook, somebody is sharing 
about the passing or the loss of somebody important in their life. And so often they'll say, heaven has gained a new... Hmm. Does the scripture say anything like that at all? Or do you and I actually have more theological knowledge from Facebook than the book that was designed to give us theological knowledge? Now that's just really uncomfortable, Pastor. You're kind of a jerk. Okay, um, so... So what else we got? So, you know, do we become angels when you... Oh, is there an afterlife? And, and if there is, do we really go to places like a heaven or, or, or a hell? Now, those questions come out of those phrases. Those questions are what this writer is saying to all of us who have been journeying with Christ, say, for more than a year, year and a half. Not only should you be able to answer those, you should be able to teach on any one of those questions. So we're going to have the ushers come down. We're going to start handing out tests. And uh, if you make less than the same five, you're going straight to hell. You don't pass go. You don't collect $200 or anything. No. You know what? It's kind of uncomfortable to think about. What, can I answer those questions? And when I say answer, we're not talking about, can you kind of rattle an opinion off the top of your head? I think I, think I heard in a sermon. One, I saw on Facebook. No, don't start an answer with that. Um, We're not talking about just rattling something off. We're saying, hey, on any one of those questions, could you open your Bible and and go to one, two, three verses and begin to develop a biblical response to any one of those questions? And you know what? Those are important questions, aren't they? Those are real questions that real people all around you are asking every single day. I'll guarantee you, if you think about it, if you pay attention to what's going on around you, you heard or read somebody having a discussion on one of those questions in the last 10 days. Okay, Those are real things that real people are dealing with, that, that real people are asking. And folks, it's as simple as this. God expects people who follow Him to have some answers. He expects us to be growing, to be learning, and to be able to share and live the answers that He has for us. I think it's uh, once when Jesus was asked, hey, hey Jesus, what's, what's the most important command? And He responded with what's kind of considered the most important command in the Old Testament. And He said this, so I think a lot of you know this, right? He said, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Man, with your passions and your desires, Jesus is your love. With all your soul, the center of your being, who and and what you are. With all your strength, man, my energy, my activity is, is for expressing how I love Christ. And with all your mind. How do, how do we love God with our mind? You know, I find it interesting in our, in our culture today, if you're considered a person of faith, you're... You're almost considered anti-intellectual, aren't you? If you identify yourself as a, as a person of faith, the use of the word faith probably means you've got some kind of problem with real science. You, you're, you're kind of anti-science, anti-intellectual, anti-thinking. How did that happen that we, the church, let the culture think we're anti-intellectual? When God said we're to love people with our, or we're to love Him with our brain. You know, God created the brain, right? I, I don't honor him by not using it. I don't honor him by being ignorant. Faith is not saying I'm just satisfied being stupid and I just trust Jesus. 
That's not, that's, that was not a Greek understanding of what the word faith meant. It was not a New Testament understanding of what the word faith meant. You know, faith often does mean stepping into a place where we don't have answers. Stepping into a place where we can't see how this works and what's going to happen. But do you know why we take that step of faith? Because of the evidence of what we've learned about God, what we've seen in God, how God moves and works. There's no such thing in the New Testament as a blind leap of faith. There's no such thing in the Bible as faith somehow being linked to being ignorant. We love God with them. God made the mind to doubt. To say, I I want to break this apart. I want to break it apart and rebuild it. I want to search. I want to study. I want to understand. And when I get there, when I've got it, I want to see what I have now that can make me go even further. Where do you think that came from? Let me sound a little anti-science. It didn't come from evolution. It came from the brain that God created us with. We love God with our mind. And not engaging our brain in our pursuit and love for the Lord, I think expresses a lack of love. We can't be apathetic about that. And I, and I feel like that when we look throughout the church in America, and I say America, I'm not saying the rest of the world is better. I'm just not a part of the church in Ecuador. I'm not a part of the church in France. I'm not a part of the church in China. I am a part of the church in America. And as I look through America, and this is an opinion, and I could be wrong, and you you can disagree with me, but just look out there at the church, and it seems like a massive amount of us have completely settled for a one plus one equals two understanding of God. And I'm, I'm not sure we even grasp that one plus one equals two. Now, why, why is this a big deal? Does God get a bonus if we all pass the SOL on God? Does God get some kind of prize if he can make us all? Is this all about you've got to be really smart and do a lot of reading? No, folks, it's for you and me. It's for us that this is being challenged. You know what the, a lot of the book of Hebrews is about? A major theme of Hebrews is about falling away in the faith. This writer is looking at the church and, you know, the gospel and following Christ has been around now for for three, four decades. And and what we're finding is there's all these, remember last week I was talking about thousands of people coming to Christ. All of a sudden, you know, 10 years passes, 15, people people are falling away. Why why do we fall away from the faith? I mean, there's a lot of reasons, right? I mean, we're just struggling in sin and can't get over it. And we're just tired of feeling bad about ourselves and quit because we don't understand grace. You know, just getting beat up by temptation. Maybe we got greater desires for the world. Hey, I I know this God thing must be important, but I, I just love this world. I love what I can get right here and right now. Maybe we're getting beat up by the world. You know, there's persecution. We're, we're being made fun of. We're being mocked as we're a person of faith. So clearly we're just kind of stupid. You know, I mean, a lot of different reasons we'll start to fall away. And, and when you and I are, are kind of not doing so well, we're not really trusting God very well, you know, maybe, maybe we share that with a Christian friend. Maybe we share that with the pastor. And more than likely, that friend, that pastor, is going to pull out one of the big cliches we use here in the church. It's one of our favorite things to pull out. Hey, man, you've got to have faith in God. Got to have faith in God. We say that like, oh, okay, I'm going to have faith. And I now have all the faith I need. You know, I, I, you know, we treat faith like it's some kind of mystery tool. 
You know, I just don't have as much faith as they do. There's nothing about you that means you automatically have more or less faith than, than somebody else. Faith is something we grow. Faith is something we've, we build. And so if I'm not growing, if I'm not developing in life, then guess what? I have a shallow faith. I have a shallow understanding of God, a, a, a shallow understanding of who He is and what He's doing in this world and how I walk with Him. So I'm going to have a shallow faith that will not be able to stand. Listen, the writer of Hebrews is saying this to you and me because he knows it's hard out there. It is difficult to follow Christ out there. And if I've got a shallow, just really don't hardly know anything, you're not going to survive. You're not, not going to be able to hang on. So, so the challenge is to grow. You know, as I think about what I've presented today, I've kind of really presented more the academic side of growth, right? The mind side. Got to grow, got to learn, got to develop. And, and I, that's only one side. I can't cover all the sides in one sermon. I'm already long now, right? But, but I mean, the other side is that the academic moves to application, that, that, the, that the learning moves to living. And see, that's a whole realm of growth that we've also got to evaluate. Man, how am I, how am I growing in my witness? How, how am I growing in how I share the gospel? I mean, there's all kinds of practical questions. We want to move from ap- academic to, to application. But you know what? It starts with understanding. It starts with knowledge. Those steps we take into practice are based on the evidence of what we're learning in life. You know, another thing I haven't really addressed today is how we grow, right? I mean, you're all, you're somebody, you know, looking at if I'm growing, but how do I grow? You know, I don't, I don't think it's that hard. I don't think it's, it's that much of a mystery. Man, I, I got to be in God's word. I've got to be in prayer. Uh, here's a big one. I got to be around people who are growing. And it's hard to get, it's hard to get better and better at something if I'm not around anybody who cares about getting better and better and better at something. Man, being around people are growing kind of inspires growth, doesn't it? So, you know, we could pretty easily make a list of, hey, here's, here's the ways we grow. But if I don't care to ask the question, then it's irrelevant how we grow, right? I, I've got to first care if I'm growing, there's, there's got to be a desire to grow first. You know, uh, a, a lot of times I will, I will package sermons because we're kind of a consumer, uh, a consumer society, right? I, I mean, I've got to convince you, hey, you want to buy this. Hey, you want to purchase, this is a good thing in your life. And so, you know, what what do people need? What do they want? What are they hungry for? And how do we package messages like that? And so that's where the, you know, the sermon series come. You know, hey, three, three steps to a better marriage. Seven keys to financial success. The secret to happiness. And, and, and preachers, myself included, you know, we put the list together and we, we start, hey, buy this, buy this, man, you want this, you want Jesus, you want his word. But you know, I was thinking as I was working on this message, you know what's left out of all those secrets and keys and steps? How hard some of them are. Hey, man, what makes a, better, a marriage better? Forgiveness. Well, forgiveness is hard. 
Forgiveness is real hard. As a matter of fact, any of these steps and keys and secrets that we put together, man, there's things in there that that require obedience to something maybe that's not at all natural for us to do. It's very, that's kind of moving in a direction very different from what I would naturally do. It requires faith. It requires, it requires sacrifice. Well, hey, where, where does the energy to take a step into sacrifice, to take a step into something that's not natural for me come from? It, it comes from what I've built in my faith in God. It takes faith to apply those things. You know what growth gives you and me the ability to do? I mean, folks, I really want us to get here. This, the goal here is not who's the smartest, who scores the highest grade. The, the goal of growth is that it gives me the ability to go into God's Word and pull out the answers and live them. The answers I want, the, the, the answers I need, whether it be for frustration or failure or my marriage or raising kids or, you know, how to de- where, you know, is there a God? I mean, I need those answers. It takes a growing faith to go in there and find them and to live them. Man, folks, can you imagine 2,500, 3,000 of us? With the same level of devotion, the same level of commitment. We might be in different places. You know, somebody might, you might be an eight and I might be a two, but we both have the exact same commitment to keep moving forward. And we're finding God's treasure, we're finding God's answers, and able to live that before the 804. Let me tell you something. It's going to be a lot bigger than they can't imagine being without us. They'll be knocking down the door to get to us. Do you know why? Because they want the same answers that you and I are looking for. They're trying to figure out the same thing that you and I are trying to figure out. Does that make sense now why God says, Hey, I really expect you all to know the answers and to live it. I want to use you as an attractant to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, that kind of puts a whole new slant on growth, doesn't it? But if I'm not growing... I'm struggling. I I don't apply any of the answers in here. Now, I've told everybody I'm a Christian. And then I go out there and I I have no answers that they have. I I don't have any better way of... I mean, I become a walking billboard and said, no, none of this really works. And in the world, they don't know. They don't know that I'm not growing. They just know that I'm saying it doesn't work. And we need to grow, don't we? What an opportunity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I pray you would would put in each of us just a burden and a desire to grow. Whatever that might mean, to read, to study, to learn, to practice, to, to pray, to ask somebody to help. Lord, put in us a great desire, a great burden to grow and to develop our faith and to have a faith that is prepared for some of those harder days. To have a faith that is prepared for some of those harder questions. Oh God, I pray we'd be a body of people. Not only each individually asking each other that, ourselves that question. But all together encouraging and helping each other answer that question. So we can, so we can all see each other's progress. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I pray that. That we can all see each other's progress. It's in Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Amen.